to be with everyone and by what God's doing among us. And I believe he's already done a lot and that he's got even more for us. Uh, it's been an interesting week. Our big election finally happened. And you, I don't know, you may, as John mentioned, you may feel good about that. You may not feel good about that. But I'm glad it's over. And I'm glad God has good things for us. I've been reminded of a couple of scriptures this week that, first of all, uh, the Bible says don't put your trust in princes. But the government will be on his shoulders, speaking of Jesus. And civil government is very important. And we, I've motivated more than ever before to pray for our leaders and believe that we have opportunities for God to lead our nation into good things. But it really comes down to God bringing his ways into people's lives. That's what really makes a difference. And that kind of brings us back to what we're all about, why we're a church, why we're followers of Jesus. Because that's really what changes our life, and that's what changes nations too. And so we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. As followers of Jesus, we can't we can't go wrong doing that. Um, I but speaking of that, we talk about okay, what what is the path of a follower of Jesus? We're in the middle. We recently started a series called Paradoxes, looking at much of what's in God's Word, much of the many of the truths of God's kingdom are things that are called paradoxes. There are two things that seem to be contradictory, but if you but they're both true at the same time in God. And today we're going to look at the question of, is it easy or is it hard? Is life as a follower of Jesus easy or is it hard? And the answer, just get right back to the, the you know, our, our, the conclusion is it's both. Yes, life is easy and life is hard. And there's something very important in, in all of that. Um, well, we're going to look at, first of all, the, the easy part, because that's more fun, right? But not only is it more fun, but this is actually the part that we have to understand first. And I, I'm going to pray for us and ask God to help us. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, help us. Thank you that you're with us. Would you make your word come alive? Would you help us to get something today that will not just be mental understanding, but will help us to know you more, help us to, to understand life better? understand what's going on in our life, and how we can partner with you in what you're doing. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so is God's path for us easy or hard? We want to look first at an easy scripture. If you have your bulletin, this is, this is there. It's also on the screen. But in Matthew 11:28, Jesus said this. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, any of you ever in that place? Weary and burdened? Yeah, that's pretty, pretty common. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is one of the very beloved promises of Jesus, words of Jesus. He says so clearly, hey, this world is full of a lot of weariness. It's full of a lot of burdens. We often feel overwhelmed. We often don't feel like we have enough time or energy or money or smarts or 
There's all sorts of stuff going on. The invitation of Jesus is, hey, come to me in that place, and I'll give you rest. I want to put something on you that's different than the yoke that you're currently living under. I want to put something on you that is a place of, that is light. It's a yoke that is, that is easy. It's a place where you're going to find rest for your soul. And as I was thinking about this this week, I just thought about, you know, it's, it's essential to us. So often we think of Christianity in terms of ideas. What's your theology? What's your doctrine? What, what, what are the truths that you hold to? But, and that is, that is essential and so important. But it is really essential that there is an experiential aspect to our Christianity. That this is not just an idea or a religion, but it's an experiential thing that we live out of knowing God in a way that brings this sort of stuff into our life. That God wants us to experience His lightness, His peace, His rest, that ease of life. And so, if we're in a place in life where, which is often the case for me, we're like, wait a minute, that's not describing my life right now. That doesn't feel like that right now to me. Then, that's a good place for us to say, okay, wait a minute, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm not living in all that God has for me. Maybe my focus is on the wrong thing, or something's out of whack, or maybe I'm just not getting what God wants to give me. Because really, that's what this is. We oftentimes think of Christianity as what we do for God. Be a good person, follow the rules, be moral, try to, you know, not sin too much, try to organize your life really well. What do I do for God? But that is not what Christianity is about. That is not what God is after. This is about not what we do for God, but what God has done for us. Say that again. This is about what God has done for us. There we go. Come on, somebody's getting it. I'm glad you're here, Sam. This is about what God has done for us. Who He is, what He's done for us when He entered the world and went to the cross and took away our sin and our being overwhelmed and being under life so that we could be on top of life. It's what He has done for us. It's not only what He has done for us 2,000 years ago, but it's what He does for us. It's what He's doing for us today. It's what He does for us in our day in, in our day out. That's what this life is about. That's why we get excited when we sing. Because it's not like, oh, I need to like try to do something for God. But it's remembering, no, this is who He is. This is what He's done for us. This is the victory that He's brought for us. And man, His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Now, we're going to get to the, the fact that there is hardness in life. But I heard someone say once, I've never forgotten it, that my hardest day, my worst day as a Christian is better than my best day before I encountered Jesus. And He took away my sin. That is, man, that's so true. That the, the, there, there are hard days, but that worst day now is better than my best day before. There is a place of, of peace and being over life. And that, you remember, those of us who are born again, remember when you first trusted Christ, that sense of weight on your shoulders, that weight on your back that was gone. 
that lightness. That's, that's what we're talking about. There's the, the life that God has for us is not what we do for Him, but it's what He did for us. And what He continues to do for us. And God is, God is gracious. God is good. God is near. And there's so many ways in which walking with God produces an ease to our life. There's, you know, what I just talked about when we first experienced salvation, that, that freedom and that, that lightness that we come into. The whole idea of grace. That God's kingdom works by grace. It's not what we deserve, but it's what He freely gives us when we don't deserve it. And it's not just what He gives us to like overlook our sins, but then he, it's the empowering ability of God that He gives us to live this life. It's God filling us with His Holy Spirit. Not nothing we could do to receive His Spirit, but He gives it to us. He puts it upon us. And He empowers us. He works in our life. Many of us could tell story after story of miracles that God has done. And, you know, I, Sam was responding on the front row, and I was already going to tell the story. I didn't even know he was going to be here. But a couple of weeks ago at, at Men's Encounter, there were a number of miracles that happened. And one of them was with a group of guys, including Sam here. And prayed for me and realized one of my legs was a little bit longer than the other. And prayed for me. And I felt, and they saw my leg grow out to be the same length as the other leg. You know, yeah, yay God. That's what God did. That's not what I did. I, there was no amount of like chiropractic pulling on my leg to make that happen. It was, it was what God does. They're miracles. I remember the story of a little boy in the Philippines that I read once. He was part of this school that Christians had started, but for poor children. And they came to the time to take a test and they, there was so little money, the one thing they were required was that everyone bring their own pencil to school. And this little boy had either lost his pencil or it had gotten to the very end and he no longer had a pencil anymore. And so they said, well, you've got to go outside to take this test. You, you know, sorry, you don't have a pencil. So he was sitting there crying and not, not knowing what to do. And he kind of rolled up his, his paper. And he said, you know what? I've learned that God can do anything. God could give me a pencil. He said, God, would you give me a pencil right now? And he unrolled his paper, and there was a pencil inside it. <laughs> now, that's you can believe that or not believe it, but that's the kind of God God is. You know, every this music stand would not be here if God was not presently, actively holding it together by his power. He is the one who makes life exist. And He gives it's, life is what He gives us, not what we do for Him. And so, that's, God is gracious, God is good, God is near. And He wants to bring us into an ease, in a place of not striving to see what I can do to make this life work. But trusting in Him and receiving His grace. Uh, you know, God is, is so good in leading us to, as we follow Him, just not having to do it all by our own effort but Him leading us to be in the right place at the right time. Knowing who we should spend time with, how we should direct our days, where we should go. The church that for many years was the largest church in the world is the church in Seoul, Korea. And the pastor, until he passed away a few years ago, was Dr. Paul Young Yi Cho. This is a church, it's over a million people. I think it's over, actually it was over a million when, when he died, and now I've heard it's over two million. That's, that's a big church. 
just have a hard time fitting in this room with <laughs> two million people. But they asked, when you asked Dr. Cho, hey, what's the secret of your ministry? What, what was your strategy? What do you do? How, how hard do you work? He would smile and chuckle and say, in his broken Korean accent, I pray and I obey. <laughs> I pray and I obey. And that was what it all boiled down to. He had a relationship with God. He prayed. He listened to God. He did what God said. And that's really what this life is all about. And so I believe God is, is wanting to encourage us and to, to see that, yeah, that's, there is an, this is the promise. I did not make this up. Jesus is the one who said, come to me. All who are weary and heavy burden, I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so, sometimes, God gives us a, a touch from His presence, or He works in our life in a way that changes everything in an instant. A couple of the stories I, I talked about. That's, that's part of the easy. And that's great. And we should want that. And we should ask God for that. That's a good thing. But that's not always how God works. Sometimes He does stuff in our life that because of what He's wanting to work into our life, it's a process that takes time. And it's not just a process, but it's a more challenging process. And that's the hard part of this. But remember, it's a paradox. These are don't, we're going to talk about the hard, but don't let go of the easy. Alright? Don't shift gears and go, okay, now he's going to tell me, really, it is just about me working really hard and being miserable, and that's what God wants for my life. No. That's a paradox. It's both true at the same time. Alright? Everything's, and the foundation is the first. That it's what God does for us. Who he is, what he does, his gift. That's, that's the most important piece. That's the foundation for everything else. Let's look at this other scripture, Acts chapter 14. We read, After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. So this is talking about the ministry of these early church leaders, Paul and Barnabas, who were traveling around the world, making disciples, starting churches, doing, doing God's work. where they strengthen the believers, they encourage them to continue in the faith. Now, just think about that. Why would they encourage them to continue in the faith? Or why would they, another way to ask this is, why would they need to encourage them to continue in the faith? Well, because there's a lot in life that challenges our faith. There's a lot in life that challenges us being encouraged. There's a lot in life that makes it seem like, wait, is this whole God thing worth it? Is it panning out? Like, it was great at first, I accepted Christ, and my sins were gone, and I was happy, and it felt, it was, it was peaches and roses. It was great. But man, it's, life's pretty hard right now. I'm going through some, I'm going through some stuff that's tough. And sometimes, following Jesus, Ups the ante even and brings stuff into your life that wasn't hard before. You know, I mean, before you followed Jesus, your, your old friends didn't give you a hard time for not doing what they were doing. Nobody, nobody was, was difficult about that. 
there's, there's certain things that come into your life in following Jesus that weren't there before. And that's why we need to be strengthened and encouraged to continue in the faith in the midst of things being different when it's not always, always that easy. So they encourage them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Praise Him. Once again, add that to the list of scriptures that you'll never find on a Christian calendar. <laughs> never find on a Christian copy mug. And start the day. All right. I must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Wow, this is good stuff. I love it. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So, here's their, their encouragement to them. You must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, how does that equate with my yoke is easy and my burden is light? Well, it's important to realize that when it says you must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, a lot of times we hear the phrase kingdom of God and we just assume that what that means is that that's what you have to do to go to heaven when you die. And that's not what the, what the kingdom of God is all about. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. So, in heaven, that's the center of God's rule and reign. But God's will is to bring His kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's extending His kingdom in the world and in our lives. And we... You have to interpret every, every scripture in the, the Bible through the rest of the Bible. You can't just take one scripture and build a whole theology around that. And when we look at the whole of the Bible, it's very clear that the way we come into relationship with God is by grace, by the grace of God, through faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. Trusting in him, not, not what we do. But what we often miss out on is that's just the beginning. And that's when we come under Jesus' kingship. That's when we say, yes, you're my king. And something changes on the inside, and we, we begin to experience many of the benefits of his kingdom. But there are still parts of our lives that are not living according to his kingdom. Any of you still have thoughts or habits that don't really look the way they would be if God's kingdom was fully in place in your life? Yeah, I, man, I sure know I do. And so it's a process of God furthering his kingdom in our life, of his kingdom entering our lives more and more. To where our habits, our thoughts, our relationships, our, the way we handle our emotions, that more and more we are entering the kingdom of God. And some of that, God just gives bam. It's like, I trust Him, and wow, He changes me. And then some of that, it's a process of Him slowly working that into us. And so God not only wants to bring His kingdom into our lives, but through our lives into the world. And... Again, some of that just happens quickly, but a lot of that happens, it's a process, and there's hardship involved. There's intentionality, there's, there's suffering, there's dealing with stuff in us that doesn't like this new way, because it's used to its own way. And that can be uncomfortable, and that can be challenging, but it's for a purpose of bringing us into something more. And so the question for us is, do I want just inspiration? Do I want to encounter God in a way that inspires me? Do I want to encounter God in a way that's only the stuff that's 
on the Christian paraphernalia? Or do I also want inspiration that leads to transformation? Do I want inspiration from God that not only gives me a buzz and makes me feel good, and I'm not, I'm actually, buzz isn't a good word, because that's important. I need all the buzzes I can get personally. Like I'll, I'll take all the encouragement, all the emotional high, all that's good. But God wants to not just stop there, but he wants to take that and then bring it into a process of transforming us. And so the purpose for easy times, I, I skipped this earlier if you, if you have your notes, the purpose of God in, in the easy stuff is to refresh us. And that's good. God's purpose in hard times is to mature us. To grow us up. To change us. To make us more like Him. And God's a good Father. He is very interested in the Now, that means showing us our weaknesses, showing us where we need Him, building our character, working His character into our lives, bringing us closer to Him, there's a process of maturation that God wants to work into us. And that's not quick and easy. That's a slow process. It involves some hardship. Hebrews 12, verse 11. Read with me here. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. That's true, right? Discipline doesn't feel good. It's painful rather than pleasant. But later... It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So the hard stuff in life, God has a plan in that to train us through it, to learn something through it, to grow closer to Him in that, to become more of who He's called us to be in that process. And as we do, that yields fruit. It's called the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Um, I like how it goes on. It says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Modern paraphrase is, therefore, suck it up. <laughs> All right? It's going to hurt. It's hurting for a while. It's not fun. But it's going to yield something good in your life. So stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop complaining. Stop thinking of all the reasons why it's their fault and this fault. And it may be their fault. And there may be some really tough stuff. But suck it up. Because God's got something good He wants to do in our life through the process. I This past week, my, my nine-year-old son, Ian, um, plays piano. Taking piano lessons. And he's actually probably the most gifted musician in our family, which really doesn't mean very much. <laughs> because he has two parents who are pretty close to tone deaf. And, you know, we don't have a lot of musical ability. And a couple brothers play piano. They're, they're decent. Um, but we're not, we're not great. We like music, but we're not that talented. But I took, I took piano lessons for like six or seven years growing up. So just through sheer practice, my skills got decent. All right? Not through natural ability. But Ian, he's really good. He's actually really good at just kind of playing by ear and sitting down and playing around. You're like, wow, that sounds like music. Like, and he could do that even like when he first started. It was amazing how he could do that. And so he likes to sit down and play around. But what he doesn't like so much is learning the notes on the paper and 
learning where on the keyboard they are, which one you're supposed to play, and how long you're supposed to play them for, stuff like that, and you know, basically following the directions. And so he'll, so I've been getting on him lately. Like, okay, Ian, you practice, you practice piano for 20 minutes, but you didn't learn anything because you just got distracted and started playing around, and then you found the one song that you've learned, and you played that one over and over again, and you didn't learn any of the new songs you're supposed to be learning this week, and so. His piano teacher was out of town, was gone, so he had three weeks between lessons. And I was like, this time you are going to learn your songs. Now, his piano teacher is like the nicest lady in the world, which is good. She's got the easy part down, but not the discipline part. And so, no matter, she's not working with me on that part. So, no matter what Ian does, he goes to the lesson, she's like, oh, Ian, you're so good. You're so, man, you're so talented. He's like, that, that sounds horrible. Like, you're not following the music at all. But she's like so encouraging. So I'm like, you're going to learn your song. So we literally had, you know, he still had a lot of off time. But by the last week, we're like, hey, you've had three weeks. You better learn these songs. And so I started sitting with him. Like, I'm going to spend 10 minutes with you, and we're going we're gonna to practice. And that 10 minutes would turn into an hour and a half of dad drilling down on him. No, that's not the note. What note is that? I don't know. Like, that's a half note. How many beats is that? Oh, you have to count. Oh, I don't want to count. And so just literally there would be tears and crying. And But don't feel sorry for him. <laughs> he needs it. But it, each time, is you go through this, and then he learns a line, and then all at once, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. He can play that line, and he can play it right. <laughs> That's what it is. That's how it works. And he likes playing that line so much better than before, than when he was fooling around and not getting it right. He had, one of his assignments was to compose a song, to, to write. And so he like plays it and it sounds kind of cool. And then he wrote down the notes on the staff. And it was so janked up, I'm telling you. I mean, if you know anything about music, he would, he would have measures, but one measure had three beats, one measure had nine beats, one measure had five beats. <laughs> it was like, and so we sat down and we rewrote this song. We're like, okay, no, every measure has to have. Let's figure out how many beats it's supposed to have. Okay, it's three. And so let's make this work. And again, it was painful process, but we got a song on paper that's a real song. I mean, sort of. You know, it's, it's, it actually follows the rules, at least. And it sounds, sounds okay. And so he went to his lesson and he came home and he said, Dad, Mrs. Allen said I played really, 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 really good this time. It was like amazing. And you could tell he was so happy. Like he felt so good about the process, what had come out of that process that he'd gone through. Now that doesn't mean that he's doing the discipline by himself every day yet. But he's slowly learning. And that's how it is for us too. We need to be trained by life. There's, there are rules, there are patterns, there are ways of God that he wants to put in our life. But we have to stop long enough and beyond our pain. A lot of the pain isn't the discipline. The pain is us living our life the wrong way, actually. And But it's learning the pain of breaking our habits and learning God's way that feels very unnatural for a while. But it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so, you know, I was, that's, why has God into that? Why doesn't he just, like, let us stay immature? Well, he has a plan for our lives. That's 
for greatness. He has a plan to mature us and to bring us into something more. I, one of my thoughts as I was watching the election returns this week was the amazing, and I, you know, I don't know how much is, I think it's a real thing. It's maybe may exaggerated by some, but the, the difference in our country between rural, small town America and big cities. And, you know, especially the more, more educated people in, in bigger cities. And, and it just reminded me of, I just was thinking, I read a couple articles, and one in particular, about how much of, of rural America and small town America is just really hurting. And I, I saw a map of, you know, 20 years ago, where half of the new businesses, new jobs that were created in America, we're kind of scattered all over the map of America. And then in the last five years, they were just a handful of jobs in the big cities. And the opportunities just aren't there for many people in, in rural America. And I was thinking, about, here we are in Kansas in, in an ag school, wanting to make disciples, to train leaders who will serve the world. And I was just thinking, you know, one of the needs in our world is to renew small town America, to renew rural America. Like, it's, it's not working. The current way it's happening isn't working. The farms are getting bigger, the jobs aren't there, the factories that have been there are moving away. There, there are a lot of hurting people. Substance abuse is up, families are breaking down. I mean, more, it's, it's, it's broken. I was like, but what would it take to change this? It's going to take some great people that have a vision for that part of our country, that have ideas, that have God-given ideas to say, how can we have business opportunities in this part of the country? How can we do agriculture in a different way? How can we create, maybe use the internet? How can we find good ways that people can have a great lifestyle and standard of living in these communities? And people that will give their lives to that cause. And those kind of people don't just grow on trees. But they're developed through the process of God developing them. And that's true. That, that may not, that's probably not the calling of most of you, but you have a calling. There is something God has created you for. And to come into that calling that really will advance God's kingdom in the world requires that process of training and becoming that kind of person. Okay, I want to just leave us with a couple of insights. Where do we, what do we do with this? Well, I want to bring us back to, they go together. Easy and hard go together. Easy hard is God's training cycle. Those of you that have worked out, you know, usually there's a, we've got some kinesiology people here, you know this better than I do. There's a thing called easy days and hard days, right? You do a hard day, then you do an easy day. You do a hard day, then you do an easy day. You don't want to, most muscle groups, especially if you're building strength, you don't, you can't work that hard day after day after day. So you do a day of strength building and then a day of recovery, a day of rest. And that's really a lot of how God works in our life. He gives us times of refreshing and encouragement, and those can be anything from, you know, what you get in the morning reading the Bible, where you get encouraged, to a mountaintop experience, or Sunday morning worshiping God and getting built up in your faith. That's like the easy day. That's like, oh, yes, give me more of this. This is great. I need some of this. 
But that's not every day. Then there are hard days. And that's more the strength building. That's the character building. That's working through the stuff in our life that God wants to change and grow and mature us. And it all goes together. you got to have both of them. And they got to be in the right balance. And God's the, the master of working those together. Now, for a lot of us, we tend to overlook one or the other. Some of us, a lot of us tend to be easy day people. But actually, a lot of us tend to be hard day people, too. Right? I was curious. Who would say you're more of an easy day person? Raise your hand. All right. Who would say you're more of a hard day person? Yeah, interesting. Looks like about 50-50. Some of you are just confused. You don't, you're like, I don't know what I, yeah. <laughs> I see those hands. That's good. <laughs> but there's, there tends to be one that we tend to overlook. We tend to major on one aspect of it and not on the other, but they go together. And re- listen to this scripture. This is just, this is so cool. Isaiah 28. Starting in verse 23. Give ear and hear my voice. Give attention and hear my speech. So God's giving this analogy, an illustration of a farmer. He says, does he who plows for sowing plow continually? Does he continually open and harrow his ground? So the idea here is the plowing is the hard day. Alright? That's like our hearts when they're hard. or our lives. The plowing is God bringing the blade of his plow into our life that cuts stuff up and break through that crust, that rough surface. And maybe there's some rocks and weeds and other stuff in there that God needs to bring the plow. And God brings the plow. But he says, but he doesn't do that continually. He doesn't do that forever. Verse 25, when he has leveled its surface, does he not scatter dill, sow cumin, and put in wheat in rows and barley in its proper place? And emmer as a border. Emmer is a, a kind of wheat. And so we go from this hard imagery of plowing to this easy imagery of the farmer sowing the seed. And I mean, they just sound like just wonderful plants you'd want to have in your kitchen, right? Like dill and cumin and wheat. It's just like, yeah, so there's the plowing, but it's not forever. It's for a purpose, to bring, to bring the, the seed, to bring that different, the different activity of the farmer into your life. For he is rightly instructed his God teaches him. He knows how to balance that out. Verse 27, dill, you know, have you, have you seen dill plants? It's what you make dill pickles with. Really kind of fragile little plant. Or, you know, really fine, small. Then um, din is not, dill is not threshed with a threshing sledge. Nor is a cartwheel rolled over cumin. But dill is beaten out with a stick and cumin with a rod. In other words, dill is, you've got to know the right thing. A threshing sledge was the big, like, wooden, you'd stick wood together and then make a, a plank, and on the back of it you'd have blades or rocks, and you'd, like, grind the wheat with that so that it would break out. But you don't do that for dill, because that would destroy it. That would just tear it up. God knows the right tool to use in our life at the right time, and He's gracious in that way. Does one crush? Um, you will... The grain is crushed for bread in verse 28. He will crush it, but not forever. When he drives his cartwheel over it with his horses, 
He does not beat it small. And so, this is God's encouragement to us. And this is actually coming after a passage of God bringing really strict judgment upon people for disobeying Him. And they had not followed Him for decades and decades. And there was a pretty strict judgment. But then God's saying, hey, yeah, but I know how to do it the right way. And my purpose is always redemptive and restorative and to bring something good in your life. You may, you may feel like you're getting crushed, but I'm not going to allow it to be more than you can handle. I'm going to allow it to be just right. Um, verse, verse 29. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. And so God always knows what to give us. He knows how to balance the easy and the hard. He knows the right dosage. He knows what we, knows what we need. And so it's good for us to appreciate both and in, in our life to, to look to him. Okay, God, what are you wanting to do right now? What are you wanting to bring into my life? Maybe I need the refreshing. Maybe I need some maturing. God, show me what it is, and I want to agree with you and partner with you in that. And then the last thing I want to say, the last insight, is that whatever God puts in us is worth the pain. There's a reason for, for the hard stuff He takes us through. 1 Corinthians 4.17 is one of my favorite verses written by Paul, who went through a lot of really tough stuff. But this is what he said. Paul said, For our light and momentary troubles are producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, yeah, there's hard stuff. But the hard stuff that God brings us through is not too much. It's really light and momentary, especially when you can see the purpose that he has for it. But there is something he's doing in my life. He wants to bring me into something more. He wants to develop me. He wants to mature me. He wants me to make me who he's called me to be. Okay. And that's going to be an eternal way to glory. That's bringing us into eternity. Being the people God's created us to be. And that makes it all worth it. And so, in the hard places, again, it's good to ask God, God, what is your purpose? Give me a vision for that. And help bring me into it. We're going to worship God together and as we do that, really ask Him to, to minister to us. And you know, my hope is that we would get something today that, would, that we could walk out, that we could apply. So yeah, worship team, you can, you can come on up. Um, go ahead and stand up. And as we do that, I'm going to pray for us. And, Ask God to bring that about. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask that you'd help us to get this. Help us to see life. Not just as life coming at us, but see you as a God who is there and present. Lord, I, I ask today for those of us who are in a place of, of needing your refreshing, just needing a touch from you, needing you to meet us and touch us, speak to us in the way that only you can do. Lord, we look to you to do that. Lord, and not only today, but throughout our lives, we look to you. We need that. We need you. We want your yoke that's easy, your burden that's light. 
Would you bring that on our next morning? Lord, and in, in the other stuff, in the places where you're, you're training us, you're maturing us. Lord, I, I ask you to deliver us from, from every mentality that would blind us to what's really going on. From every victim mentality or just focus on the pain, whatever it would be. But would you help us to see that this is your, that you are, you will meet us in that place to train us, to mature us as we look to you. Lord, we trust you to help us in that.